Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And tis the season, everyone. Merry tis the season. Merry Christmas this week. Yeah. It's Christmas week. And that's why we did something special. Yes, we did. Two something specials. Yes, we did. We're bringing you some Christmas cases for you. And yours, we're going to do yours first because mine's, we will be leaving our listeners on Kind of a, a not so sad note. My case this week is no one dies. Technically, someone yeah. dies, but it's not a murder. So it's going to be a good case, and it's going to leave us with like some jolliness in our heart, kind of, sort of, in, in a weird jolliness. true crime way. And My case is horrible, right? I know yours is but. a wreck. <laughs> so, um, but it's an older case, so I'm just going to put it out there too. As you know, my health has been. Compromised. (laughs) It seems like six years now that we're going on. Yep. So my voice, if I sound like a 55-year-old male smoker, it's because I'm still battling the crud. (laughs) No offense to smokers out there. Or 55-year-old males. (laughs) But I am not one, so. It's true. You are so far away from a 55-year-old male smoker. So if anybody picks up on this case the first time hearing me, they're going to be like, oh, that man is so... Good I at wanna, podcasting. I want to go back to Crime Curious with that woman and that man, or that man <laughs> and that child. <laughs> so I'm just telling everybody that this is not how I really sound. I know. We forgive so. you. And I'm sorry you've been battling everything. You look great, though. Th- thank you. Our v- supplements are flowing. Our audio's not showing how amazing you look, but <laughs> someday we'll go video and that everyone can see the healthy glow in your face. Yes. Except yes. for that one time we podcasted for our Patreons. Oh, oh, our Patreons this month got an awesome five hours of content. If you oh are gosh. not a Patreon member, you guys are missing out. We you're, did a deep dive. Yeah, you're going to want to this month. We did a mm-hmm. super deep dive into the Peterson case, mm-hmm. Scott Peterson. Yeah. Uh, Lacey Peterson, I should say. Yeah, we fuck don't, him. Yeah, he sucks. But... That is like super bonus yes. episode. But Amber was literally on probably her deathbed I was. to do that. I actually did it. She did <laughs> the first part of the case research. It's two episodes and she did the first part. And I ended up having to present her research because Charnel had to she carry was, me. She was so it. sick, you poor thing. Yeah. But you you look so much better than that day. I can it tell you're feeling better. <laughs> It was a rough day, God but I bless you for dedicated. getting through it. You are. We're dedicated to our listeners. And on that note, we're going to tell you that next week, between Christmas and New Year's, we are going to take the week off. So when you don't get the little notification of your new episodes, you know we release every Sunday, every Thursday. But with it being um, the week b- between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to go ahead and take that off, enjoy mm-hmm. the time with our families, and hopefully you guys are doing the same. But do not worry. We will be back. And if you need to grieve that time that we're gone, we understand. We understand. Write us, you know, write us messages. We'll yes. respond. Absolutely, because we will be back January 2nd after after this week. That'll yep, be just our... a little little blink of an eye. We'll be back. That's right. So, 
All right. Are we ready? I'm ready for you to horrify me, my friend. Let's go. Do you know what I want for Christmas? I I'm not sure. I there's so many ways that was so open ended. I'm like, right? Do what is the name of the most recent model dildo? I wish that I knew. <laughs> Damn it! Had my laugh. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> all I want for Christmas is some answers in this case. Oh, okay. That's what I want. Why do I have a feeling that you will not get your Christmas wish? I don't think I will. No. But, but since we can't get that, you want me to look up the noon. If you, that was the plan B, okay. so if you could, All right, you know, yeah. just Sil- pull Google, some strings for Googling me. Googling it now. Silver it's a rough time bullet. for everyone. So yes, <laughs> very lonely for some. <laughs> so this is a Christmas Eve case. Um, it is very tragic and mysterious. It's one of those cases where it's like it's unsolved, but after I tell you what. I'm going to tell you. It's an unsolved solved case. I think think that's safe to say. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to go back to 1945 for this case. So we're taking it back to the old old school, old old days. Jump on in where women were oppressed. Yes. (laughs) What a time to be alive. Most people, as a matter of fact, except for white males. Okay. Yeah. And I think that that's some of the stuff it's. I don't know. You'll understand as I unfold it, but it's it. Remember the times as you unwrap it. As yes, how many Christmas puns can we get in here? Oh, I'm gonna try for as many as okay. I can. I'm ready. So okay, I'm going to be sharing with you the Sodder family mystery. Yeah. Have you heard of? I have heard. I have heard podcasts on it, but I got to tell you, I'm not real bright, so I don't remember it. Wow. <laughs> Let me get out my bag of toys here. Uh, (laughs) Not the same ones I was just Googling. (laughs) I didn't say that. For the record. So I'll I'll let you decide. All right. That's Um, true. (laughs) So the Sodder family, uh, they were living in Fayetteville, West Virginia, which is where this case takes place. Yes, I remember that now. It's all going to come back to me. Good. And I'm going to tell you about George. He was the the father of the family. Um, George Sodder, he was born with the name Giorgio Sadu. Mm. And he, Giorgio Sadu. Yes. And he was born in Tula, Sardinia, Italy in 1895. Sounds like a beautiful, regal name. It, it really does. It sounds very fancy to me. He immigrated to the United States. 13 years after he was born and that was so when he was 13 so years old <laughs> you had done. aka when he was 13 look at you trying to get all fancy so with fancy. It, and i'm over here knocking you down i, I think his <laughs> name made me want to feel really, really fancy. fancy yeah so all right fancy pants so he was 13 years of age he was at post gestation approximately okay. 13 years after his birth He did come over to the United States. For the rest of his life, when he got to America, obviously he became George. That's how he was known. Right, right. I put two and two together there. We've we've got to hillbilly it up. (laughs) And so the reason he came over to America is pretty unknown. It's still Mm. a mystery, and nobody ever really knew why. So just like if he was fleeing from something, yeah, yeah, just wanted a fresh start at thirteen, right? It's kind of a mystery why he came over, and he would not talk about it. So 
I would imagine it was probably something traumatizing. I'm guessing it was. Great. For sure. Good, good. So George eventually found work on the railroads. Why is that one so hard for me? Railroads? Railroads. You said it just fine. Thank you. In Pennsylvania. And so he would carry water and supplies to some of the workers. That was like his first job. And then after a few years, he took a more permanent job as a driver for Smithers West Virginia. Mm. After a few more years, he started his own trucking company, and that was hauling dirt to construction sites. And so he was a hard worker. I was just going to say, so he's ambitious. Lots of laborious jobs. Yeah. Jenny Cipriani. Mm, sounds um, beautiful. It, it, it really is a pretty name. Um, she was a storekeeper's daughter, and she lived in Smithers, and she had also immigrated. <laughs> You're thinking of Smithers. Yes, I from- am. How do you know? <laughs> was it on my face? It's our mutual brain. It yeah. was on your. It was in my brain as well. You so. cannot keep saying Smithers without <laughs> me thinking of Mr. Burns. And his- for sure. For uh, sure. If you haven't seen The Simpsons, catch an episode. You'll know what we're talking about. When I saw the gleam in your eye, <laughs> I immediately thought of our favorite Mr. Burns. Right. Like, we have GIF. a favorite gif with Mr. Burns, like his devious fingers, like... You know, when he says, excellent. Excellent. Yes. (laughs) That's what I thought of. As we're sitting here doing it with our fingers, as if our listeners on audio can hear it. it. Come on. Oh, that's so funny. So Smithers is a place. Smithers, yes. And so this is close to where George was working. Like he was working in Smithers area. Yeah. So he meets Jenny. This is who becomes his his bae. Yeah. and they get married. Beautiful. So they settled in Fayetteville. This is where they end up settling down. And this also is a town that had a large population of Italian immigrants. So I think that Perfect. was like home for them. Mm-hmm. They settled in a, in a two-story timber frame house two miles north of town. Um, now, George and Jenny, they got busy. Oh, yes. In 1923, they had the first of their 10 children. They liked to fuck. <laughs> yeah. Not wasting any time yes. starting their family. George's business, it started prospering, and it was doing very well, and he became one of the most respected middle class, um, their family. it was They were very well respected. Yeah. However... So George apparently... I always know we're going to take a turn when you're like, how well? But, so George was successful, but he was very strongly opinionated. And so, so if he... George is a dick. I think that's the impression that they were trying to to give. He was outspoken about things. If he didn't like something, he was very vocal. Reminds me of my grandfather. Right. Okay. He was a very strong man, but very opinionated. Cool. One of the things he was very vocal about is his dislike for Italian dictator Benito Mussolini. Oh. Now, some in their Italian community took this very personally. My understanding is that insulting him was like, that's Mm. not okay to do. Mm -hmm. It's like insulting the Pope to the Catholic. Yeah, so people would lose their shit. They didn't like it. Losing their shit <laughs> yes. over his opinions of Mussolini. Yes, they were like, "No, you do not talk to you know talk about yeah. him that way." So around 1944, Mussolini was apparently 
uh, deposed and executed at that time. Uh-huh. And so George. I, I like how I say, uh-huh, like I remember that. Yeah. I was oh, totally yeah. there. It yeah. Mussolini. N- 1944. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The hell of a year. Picture it. Right. <laughs> Italy, 1944. Well, George, is, he was very critical about this. And so he obviously had his opinion about it. And again, this pissed people off. And to the point that a gentleman, an Italian gentleman actually had visited his house. And I don't know if they, it's like standard to talk politics. I mean, we all kind of do it from time to time, but it's men. It is, it's men talking politics. It's the 40s men. But they're, they're sitting around with their cigars and their fancy yeah. jackets and Talking ties. about Mussolini. Yes, with shiny shoes and weird top I hats. Do pic- I do picture that exactly Everyone happening. knows exactly. Oh, and they have the weird mustaches. Oh, yeah. Probably like rubbing mm-hmm. the tip. Of course. Like, of no. their mustache, mm-hmm. for the record. <laughs> People can't see you <laughs> rubbing the tip of your mustache. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> there are some things that don't come through on audio. <laughs> you know, I have to remember people cannot see my gestures. No, so thank no. you for clarifying <laughs> I'm here for you. what I meant. Rub, yes, men sitting around in a room together rubbing, rubbing the tip. their tips. <laughs> so good. So anyway, this the salesman came to to visit the house and obviously things got escalated and the salesman ends up telling George that his house would go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. Holy shit. Salesman, this escalated. Yes. All attributing because he made dirty remarks about Mussolini. And now it's post-mortem Mussolini. Yes. So this is, people are even more upset. Yes. (laughs) Death to your family. I wish people could see you holding <laughs> the your finger up yes. while you're saying this. No, I. It was kind of funny because I watched a Buzz Buzzfeed. They do like the mini um, true crimes. Yes, yes. The I've two seen guys some. are really mm-hmm. funny, mm-hmm. and <laughs> the one on this case, after he had read that part about the the guy saying like your house will go up in flames because after what I tell you, he was like, okay, well I think. I think the case is solved. We can go home now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this is the strongest foreshadowing that I've right. ever seen. Right. But I'm sure at the time, I mean, it was 1945, so. Things seemed dramatic back then. Is it yes. just the way that we portray history, or was it really that dramatic of a time? I, I'm really curious. <sighs> but, so anyway, that was that was said. and And then. Just shortly after that was said, there was another visitor to the house that was wanting to take a look around and go take a look at the back where the fuse boxes were to check, I don't know, some kind of like assessor or what what would you call that? Somebody checking the house. A predator is what I would call it, Amber. (laughs) There we go. There it is. There it is. (laughs) This day and age, someone that's like, hey, Charnel, I want to come in and look at your back by the fuse box. I think I'm going to say no. I'm going to choke on my water. I had that happen to me. Remember, I was texting you. I know, just a couple of days ago. Wanted to look at my foundation. Yeah. Okay, pal. (laughs) I've heard that the first time I've heard that one. (laughs) If I had a dollar, you know. Uh, no one's looking at this foundation uh-uh. without a dinner first, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> at least a Wendy's. Exactly. Yes. Double cheeseburger something. something. Spicy chicken. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> we go. You go for the whole meal. The, the classy meal. That's right. Yes. 
So anyway, this person had went around, looked at the fuse boxes, and told George that that would cause a fire someday, that it was a hazard. Suspicious. Is this just a service this man is doing in the neighborhood? Like, I'm checking all the fuse boxes? Well, what I'm about to tell you... I'm going to guess no. Okay. Because <laughs> there's no other indications of any other boxes being checked. Uh-huh. One box guy here. And All it right. does, it, it did say, George was puzzled by this, you know, well, observation. Yeah. What's your first clue, George? Right. It was a little, little suspicious out of nowhere. And he'd also just rewired the house when he put an electric stove in. So, like, things were supposed to be pretty well up to date sure. for the time. Yeah. So he's like, no, oh, that's okay. Weird. Also, the Odd. second person that has mentioned a fire in my home. In weeks before Christmas that year, George's older sons had also noticed a strange car parked along the main highway through the town and mm-hmm. watching the younger Sodder children as they returned from school. You don't mess, oh, you don't okay. mess with Mussolini, right? I guess not. No, I'd like to learn more about him and... Devote my affections to just <laughs> to make sure. sure that I don't make any enemies that might be listening. Also, like I said, Ooh. we don't know why George came over to America. That was a mystery. Right. And I don't I don't know if that's part of something, you know, but obviously this family was being, you know, scoped out. Yeah. And he he really put a seems as though he really put a target on his family for his opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Which, why would you settle in a primarily Italian area if, if you didn't like the... Yeah, if you're going to have such a strong opinion that you know most people don't share. Right, I agree. And, like, I'm, I'm like not... You probably could have went to Kentucky, man, and they would have bonded with you over... Might have been a better choice. Yeah. I am not familiar with that passion for, like, the, the leader. I, it's not... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not like a... You know what I'm picturing this is cur- the current state of our affairs when it's someone talking about Trump or right? talking about Biden. I mean, people yeah, get was... so opinionated over men who don't even know their oh name. Oh my gosh, I know. And I think, I, f- I feel like you're right. It's like the 1945 version of yeah, that that's, happening. That's, that's where in my mind space where I'm like picturing this right now. So I guess in a way I can absolutely see how people are taking this personal and are like... Oh, you offended me with your yeah. words over this random old dude. <laughs> he probably was, no offense, Mussolini, but probably really old <laughs> yals, <laughs> at the time. Yals, yals. But, so yeah, he is obviously pissed somebody off. So now I'm going to share Christmas Eve of 1945 and what happens after all these, you know, suspicious things had yeah. been showing up. So, like I said, it's Christmas Eve. Marion, who was the oldest daughter, she had been working at a dime store in downtown Fayetteville, and she surprised three of her younger sisters, Martha, who was 12, Jenny, 8, and Betty, who was 5, with new toys that she had bought for them as gifts. Aww. I know. It was so nice. So the younger children were so excited. Obviously, it's Christmas yes. Eve. So they asked their mother if they could stay up past what was their usual bedtime. Sure. Jenny did tell them that they could stay up a little later as long as the two oldest boys were still awake. 
14-year-old Maurice and his 9-year-old brother Louis remembered to go put the cows in and feed them, feed the chickens before they went to bed themselves. So George and the two oldest boys, John, who was 23, and George Jr., who was 16, they had spent the day working with their father, and they were already asleep. After reminding the children... Of the remaining chores, Jenny took Sylvia upstairs and they went to bed. Around 12.30 a.m., Jenny woke up because she heard the telephone ringing downstairs. So she she's a light sleeper, my understanding. So she woke up to go answer it. The caller was a woman whose voice she didn't recognize. And she was asking for a name that was not familiar. So she must have, I mean, it was assumed like a wrong number. Mm-hmm. And there was a sound of laughter and clinking glasses in the background. Jenny told the caller that she'd reached the wrong number and later recalling the woman's weird laugh. Hmm. So she hung up and returned to bed. And wouldn't this have been on a switchboard? Like, she connected you to the wrong hole. (laughs) Right. Probably. (laughs) The switchboard. (laughs) So she didn't think anything of it at the time. Um, She did, when, when she went back downstairs, she noticed that the lights were still on and the curtains were not drawn. Two things the children would normally do before they went to bed. Like if they stayed up later than their their parents, they would do those things. They'd shut the lights off, draw the curtains. So she, Jenny noticed those things had not been done. And she's like, God damn it, those little assholes. Damn kids. (laughs) Marion had fallen asleep on the living room couch. So Jenny assumed the other children who had stayed up later had gone back up to the attic. That's where they all slept. And so she's not creepy at all. uh, Not not in any way. Totally (laughs) normal. So she closed the curtains, she turned the lights out, and then she returned to bed. Now, just about a half hour later at 1 a.m., Jenny was woken up again by the sound of an object hitting the roof really loud. It was like a loud bang on top of the roof. And then something rolling off the roof. So it was like a crash and then rolling down. Creeps the F out of me to even picture. Yep. Yep. I'd be out. I, that would be it for me. Mm-hmm. So after hearing nothing further, she again goes back to sleep. Oh, no, Jenny. <laughs> no. How do you? Something just rolled off your roof. Exactly. And it wasn't Brancer. <laughs> no, it was It was not those reindeer. So, Santa did not drop his sack no, on your roof. No, Tim Allen did not just fall no. off your damn roof. No. So she goes back to sleep and about another half hour later she wakes up again because she's smelling smoke when she got up she found that the room that george had used for an office was completely on fire around the telephone line and the fuse box jenny woke him up and then in return the um she went to go wake the older boys up too to help both of the parents and four of the children marion sylvia john and george were able to escape the house fire They frantically yelled up to the children that were upstairs, but they heard no response. And they could not go up the stairway because it was already completely engulfed in flames. The children that you have sleeping in the attic. Yes, in the attic. So there's nothing they could do. John said in his first police interview after the fire that he went up to the attic to alert his uh, siblings that were sleeping. But he later changed his story to say that he had only called up there and he had not actually seen them. So okay. Who knows in the yeah. event of like chaos what right. happened? I'm I'm not sure. This is where the efforts to save children um, or rescue efforts get a little bit questionable and complicated. Okay. So the phone didn't work 
they were right. obviously they they tried to use it to call the you know police or the fire department and their phone wasn't working so marion ran to the neighbors to call the fire department a driver on the nearby road had also seen flames and called the nearby called from a nearby tavern but they were unsuccessful too because they no one could reach the operator it appeared that the phones were not that they were using like they were broken or something wasn't working correctly right. at the time neither the neighbor or the passing motorist that had witnessed the fire they were no one was successful in reaching the fire department um from another phone so uh, the, multiple people were trying to report this fire and, and the couldn't. fire department's not answering right. and responding george who was barefoot climbed the wall and broke open the attic window and he cut his arm pretty badly in the process he and his sons were going to try to use a ladder to rescue try to rescue the children but the ladder that they usually had around the house, it wasn't in its usual spot. It was nowhere to be found. Oh, no. Isn't that some some shady stuff? Yeah. Like, they had a go-to ladder. I'm assuming, I don't know if the kids used it to get into the attic or what was the right. deal. But like, and it just gone. can't be found. Yeah. There was a water barrel that they had, but at that night, it was frozen solid. Oh, gosh. It obviously must have been super cold out, yeah. so the water was completely frozen and of no use. George tried to pull both of his trucks, and this, to me, it just seems like an, an eternity going by, and they're still just trying yeah. to, like, yeah. save the kids. Anyway, he tried to pull one of his trucks around so he could use that to maybe climb up to the window, but both of his trucks were broken down. They would not start. Oh, my God. So Shut up. Like, I, just stop I your know, face. I know. I can't make this I stuff I forgot up. about all this. So, obviously, like, every effort that they could have made was, like, blocked so sounds like a little pre-planning to me yeah so after all of these efforts it sounds like they really tried over and over again but there was nothing they could do but watch the house burned out oh my god no like that's literally all they could do the the fire department department wasn't responding right um they're not coming. their efforts were not i mean everything that they could have had to use to to put the fire out or get back in the house they couldn't do the fire department on low manpower, as they claimed. Because it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> because of Christmas <laughs> Eve, and apparently because of the war. Oh, right, right. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that old war that's going on. The good on. old war. <laughs> Waging. They were relying on individual firefighters to call, like, basically like the game of telephone, to yeah. like, hey, we've got a fire. They did not respond to this fire for over eight hours. <gasps> I'm thinking oh, they might want to reevaluate some staffing. Very, very long game of telephone. <laughs> very, very long game. Oh, damn. Chief F.J. Morris said the next day that the already slow response was further hampered by his inability to drive the fire truck. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Requiring that he wait until somebody who could drive was available. Jesus. Come on, guys. I'm the chief, but I can't drive the fire truck. Who named him chief when he can't drive the fire truck? Yep, I'm thinking we we need to really evaluate that there, fire squad. There's some problematic there's some things holes. going on. There's <laughs> definitely some holes. There's some holes. Wow. The firefighters, one of them whose brother who was a brother of Jenny's, 
could do little but look through the ashes of what were left at the Sauter's home. Oh, these are her nieces and nephews? Or his nieces yeah. and nephews? Yeah. Oh, no. So by the time they, they roll up the next morning, there was nothing left. Our bad. Yeah. Oops. The chief couldn't drive. Sorry, Sorry guys. about that. Oh, I d- I'm laughing. Was he like- drunk from the night before, or he physically could not drive the damn vehicle? You know what? That's a good question. I do not Is know. He partying too much on Christmas Eve? But the story left it open that he just couldn't drive, so maybe he was too drunk to drive. No, I, I don't know. I I I listen to so many podcasts. I don't. I couldn't even venture a guess because I don't want to fill the, in. The sky is the limit. But <laughs> wow. So like I said, there was nothing left by the time they got there. So one of the firefighters on the squad happened to be Jenny's brother. And so he was a part of the search when it happened, when they got got there and the house was basically in ashes. There was nothing left. By 10 a.m., Morris, and if I didn't mention, that's the brother, Morris. Oh, okay. His name's Morris. Yeah, you did not mention. Yeah, mm-hmm. his name's Morris. So Morris told the family they hadn't found any bones in the fire, in the remains. But there's another account. So there's kind of like some different variations of what was found. Okay. What I do gather is that the search was very poorly done. Uh, sure. And not very thorough. Wow, that's shocking considering they were so quick to respond. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm surprised eight hours later. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we're getting. Now we're getting a- on Christmas Day a thorough search. So the family was told there was there was nothing found. There was no traces of bones, which would, I mean, typically would have been expected. Yeah, because I couldn't imagine that it would the house would have burnt as hot as like an incinerator. But my understanding is that the family was told that that could have been a possibility that the bones it was it was so hot and so long that the bones burnt as well. Okay. There was another account though. Um, that there were a few bone fragments found and a few internal organs in the remains, um, but they chose not to tell the family. So I'm not sure, like, which is the truth, but... Also, don't withhold information from the family. Right. So regardless, though, the family was certainly told that there was nothing found. Okay, so then are they having their hopes up that these children made it out and they didn't know? I think that's safe to say because they believed that, okay, this is five children unaccounted for. Like, where are they? There's no evidence of them burning up. Yeah. Like, what happened? My hopes would absolutely be, like, they got out and they were terrified and they're hiding in the woods or something. Yes, because, I mean, I'm not a fire expert, but from what I've read in this case... The fire wouldn't have been hot enough or couldn't be hot enough to burn the bones. Five of five. Five. Of five Like children. you're not finding anything of five children. Exactly. That was, I mean, from the get-go, like, okay, this is super yeah. suspicious. Uh, and she heard something on the roof and rolling and yeah. they were in the attic. Exactly. Ah. Uh. So Morris told George to leave the site undisturbed so that they could still continue examining and looking for things. Maybe call in somebody who wants to <laughs> yes, do like their a job. Real investigator. Yeah. But so they were told to leave the site, you know, undisturbed because they would have a thorough investigation completed. However, after four days, George and his wife could not bear the site anymore and they bulldozed over it. Oh shit. No, no. I don't get it. Guys. 
I don't oh. know why. But he's just like, I'm done. Here's five feet of dirt over the site. Oh, I don't like that. They're in, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Their intention was to create a memorial, like a site for the children. I get that, but it could have waited. It could have. It could have. I don't know if spiritually there's a time frame, but I feel like we could have waited. And so interesting. George, the, are you? I know. Like, are come you on, George. A shady POS. Like, Doesn't George, that make what's you going on? Your tr- both of your trucks are broken, sir. The ladder's gone. Right. Five kids gone. Your kids are nowhere to be found. Four days later, you're just and like you're dozing Whoop. it. Right? Isn't that suspicious? I'm struggling here. The local coroner. Ah, uh, yeah. His name is probably like Eddie. So he, <laughs> it probably is. Eddie Jr. or something yeah. like that. There's no doctor in front of his name. It's just Eddie. It's Eddie. <laughs> Remember in the 40s how Dorothea Puente was able to like just tell people yeah. that she was, you know, a medical expert and a doctor. At one point in time, she told people she was a surgeon. People were like, okay. Yeah, no, she ran a brothel. Checks checks out. Good yeah. enough. Nope. So, I mean, I just, I just wonder whenever we talk about old timey cases, are you a was doctor? He qualified. <laughs> <Right>. Yes. <laughs> Is it because did he call himself a gynecologist because he liked to look up women's skirts? I need more. I need credentials. So the local coroner convened an inquest the next day, which held that the fire was an accident caused by faulty wiring, and that is in quotes. <laughs> okay. So the coroner that should be a doctor working on bodies. He could have been both. He didn't. It's the like, 40s. Right. He absolutely could have. Now he's the fire, qualified probably, fire inspector as well. I was going to say he was probably on the fire squad, switched yes. over to coroner, yes. and then did the investigation. It's not a big deal. I see no also, problem. Also, the pitcher for the men's softball league. <laughs> yes. For sure. Yeah. And gynecologist of the town. Of the town. Yep. <laughs> okay. So he's like, it was an accident. Faulty wiring. Yep. All right. So was he Italian too? Is is the whole town Italian? My impression is that there is a great deal of Italians. Yes. So even though there were no remains found, Mm -hmm. um, or like like I said, or if there were, it was very 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 little. Um, a chicken bone and then the heart (laughs) that was cut out of, you know, the local beef. Funny you mentioned that. Hold that thought. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was um, being sarcastic. I, I, I wish that I could say ha ha ha, but um, so death certificates were issued for the five children on December thirtieth. The local newspaper contradict contradicted itself, stating that all of the bodies had been found. Oh, but then later in the same story, reporting that only part of one body was recovered, and I don't even know if that's true. Right. I mean, um, yeah. 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 George and Jenny were too grief-stricken to attend the funeral on January 2nd of 1946. Oh. Although their children did. In the house. Okay, their children did. The, the children went to the funeral, but they're, they did I don't didn't. know, man. If, they're, if George really doesn't have anything to do with this, then I don't know how I would. This is five kids. Like, I don't know how I would react. Maybe I wouldn't be able to stay on the side of the house either. I know. I, I just don't know. It's so hard to say. There's mm-hmm. like so many little suspicious things and right. questionable things. Literally half of their children are gone. So yeah, yeah, that's a lot. So not long afterwards, as they began to try to rebuild their lives, 
the the Souders started to obviously question some of the things that some of the findings. I would hope so. So now that their grief is a little bit, you know, more, more managed. Yeah, they're kind of like, okay, this was a little right, weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? They wondered why it had been caused by electrical problems. Like I said, the families um, that he had just updated some things. The Christmas lights that the family had, they remained on throughout the fire's early stages. And so the other thing is that Jenny recalled the lights being on. And so she was like, well, wait, if it was... The thing was faulty. And she was kind of like up throughout the night. By the way, isn't that just like heart-wrenching to think of the fact that the like the Christmas lights are staying lit while the house is on fire. Isn't it horrifying? There is something that? terrible, terrible and terrifying about that. I agree Eey. completely. So the theory is that if it was an electrical issue, the power would have fully yeah. went out, yeah, but it yeah. didn't. Okay. Um so while things were still burning, lights were still on, Christmas lights were still on, and so they were like, "Wait a second. Yeah. That's weird." I guess a little bit later they found the ladder that had been missing. From the side of the house. Okay. They found that, like, at, at the bottom of some embankment, like, kind of nearby, but far enough away where they wouldn't have found and they it. they would have seen like, it in the middle of the night. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. Like, our, this is always by our house. Mm-hmm. And so it obviously had been, like, tossed down mm-hmm. somewhere where they couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. A telephone repairman told the Satters that the house's phone line had not been burned through in the in the fire, as they had initially thought, but cut by someone who had been willing and able to climb. So they oh, discovered the phone shit. line had been completely cut, which is why they couldn't make any calls. Yeah. Yes. And why other people couldn't make calls then I'm assuming as well. Yeah. And I'm not sure how those, oops. Yeah. They I'm were all sure. like very interconnected. Connected. Yeah. That does make sense then. Cause several people tried to call. Yeah. Interesting. There was a man that neighbors had seen stealing. It says a block and tackle. From the property around the time of the fire was identified and arrested. He admitted to the theft and claimed that he had been the one to cut the phone line, thinking that it was a power line, but he denied having anything to do with the fire. So convenient. Mm -hmm. So there was, I mean, obviously somebody was stealing something that night. I don't know. Still kind of suspicious. Definitely. He cut the phone line, but it wasn't related to any of the other stuff. And I'm sorry, but I thought I cut a power line, but <laughs> all the power stays on. Right. Like, those Christmas lights are still on. If you cut the power line, jackweed. Right. Those would have went off. It would have been dark. So, the other part of this is that no record identifying the suspect exists. What? And the reason that he would want to cut the phone lines while stealing something outside of their house was never fully explained. The so phone lines or the power lines? Or the, um, I'm sorry, the utility lines is what he had claimed I mean, to cut. Right. And I would assume it would be to make it dark so that he could get in and out without being... That could be. That could be. But that was never fully explained to the family. So there's question, like, did that really happen? Or were they just told that, oh, yeah, somebody was arrested you know what I mean? Yeah. And also, he would have had to have known he didn't cut the power lines to make it dark. Like, right. I think he purposely cut the phone line. And yeah, I, yeah. And I wonder if that was, if it was even real. Like, I wonder if that even happened yeah, or if they just because like made this person up. Like, oh, we caught someone. Yeah. Like, like, look, we did do some work we did, here. Yeah. We did catch this person. We think he was <sighs> suspicious. Okay. Jenny said in 1968 that if he had cut the power line, she and her husband, along with their four children, 
would have never been able to make it out of the house. So I don't know, you know, there's some sketchiness in the stories, some holes in the stories. For sure. And, And like, I think they just want this all to go away. And want Jenny and George to stop asking questions and just accept that their five kids perished. I think so, too. And then part of me questioned, like, did, were they in on this? Did they know something? Because it was just all so, like, eight hours to respond. I agree. To the fire. Really poor investigation. You know, I don't know if it was just because. There is definitely more here than meets the eye. For sure. Jenny also had trouble accepting this belief that there was no trace of the children. Like I said, there was yeah. that like little snippet of maybe there was traces found, but they the family was never told if so. So on their end, they're like, I, we can't accept that nothing was ever found and there's no answers. Like, where are they out there somewhere? Right, you know? exactly. Did someone steal five of my children? Yes. And, yeah. The other part of this is that many of the household appliances had been found and they still were recognizable in the ashes. Right. So that, like, I was going to ask. Me. I was going to ask about the other rubble. Like how can some of, you know, tables and chairs or like you said, mm-hmm. appliances survive but bone can't? Yep. They had they had a tin roof on the house. Fragments of that were found in the fire. Oh gosh. It doesn't take that much at all to melt. It didn't burn so hot that it completely disintegrated metal. Exactly. A form of metal. Don't come at me about that. But it's but wow. no traces of five children. Is, Nothing. No. Jenny had also read in the newspaper that there was a another fire similar to the one that the family had um, experienced. Experienced, but and and it killed the family. Seven people were killed, and skeletal remains of all of the victims were found. Yeah. So she's oh. like, hold on, you know, something. My gosh, did someone take their babies? Did George sell their babies? That is part of what we'll kind of talk about because, again, never solved. Was it we're going to kill you or or take half of your kids, George, because of the way you hate Mussolini? That's what I. That's a speculation. But honestly, so many things are left mystery in this case. After, oh, okay, sorry, Um, I'll stop jumping ahead. I'm no, it's okay. But there's there's many many theories in this. I heard this case so long ago that it's it's hard for me to remember all that. aspects to it so jenny actually she burned small piles of animal bones to see if they would completely look at her little scientist Mm -hmm. i don't blame her i mean she probably had no resources she's like i want to see if this is legit possible she wants answers these are her babies yes none of the bones ever completely of course consumed you know um dissolved with the fire nobody made an incinerator right right an employee of a local crematorium she had contacted told her that human bones remain even after bodies are burned at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours, yeah. far longer than the hottest, far longer than the, and hotter than the fire in the house could have ever been. Yes, so definitely. I think that to her was the reassurance that something Mm-mm. happened. Yep. That's, I mean, that's what I was saying all along. Like, what? Mm-hmm. The Satter's truck failure to start was also considered. George believed that they had been tampered with, perhaps by the same men who stole the block and tackle and cut Mm -hmm. the phone line Mm -hmm. however one of his son-in-laws told the charleston gazette mail in actually 2013 
that he had come to believe that Sauter and his sons might have in their haste to start the trucks flooded the engines. Oh, sure. So that, yeah. that was like, uh, maybe yeah. that just was a coincidence, but also very yes. suspicious at the same time. Yeah, just kind of a, an extra collateral damage of the whole situation. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not like a push-button start like it is today, Yeah, everyone. Right, right. So some accounts have suggested that the wrong number, that the the call at 1230 that Mm -hmm. had come in, might have also been connected somehow to the fire and the disappearance of the children. However, investigators later located the woman who had made the call, and she confirmed that it was a legit wrong number. Drunk dial through the switchboard. (laughs) A good old-fashioned 1945 drunk dial. Right, Christmas Eve Drunk dial. So I don't think any leads ever came from that. It was just considered to be like a random wrong number, but it still is mm-hmm. eerie to it me. It is. It's still just a very weird, especially at twelve thirty. Yeah. Like, and who are you calling at twelve thirty on Christmas in nineteen forty five? Come on. I got. Well, maybe they were calling to say Merry Christmas. Could have been Merry Christmas. I'm drunk as hell. Could have been. You missed a good time. <laughs> drunk as hell. Merry yeah. Christmas. And now I want to do that to you. <laughs> just going to call you at 1230 on Christmas Eve. I won't be drunk, though, but I will pretend. I would still appreciate that call. I can pretend to be drunk, and it's still fun. So as spring approached, the Satters, as they said they would, they planted flowers over the bulldozed Aww. crime scene right, that right. they ruined yeah. in memory of the children. Um, Jenny, kept, she was reported to tend to it very carefully for the rest of her life. So they, oh, it was Jenny. like, it was like a lifelong memorial. Memorial. Oh, Amber, five babies, her five babies, and having no answers and no body to bury. I know. You know. Uh. So in 1946, there was some further developments that led the family to to believe that the children that they had been mourning could, in fact, be alive somewhere. Mm-hmm. So some things kind of happened. Um, evidence emerged that supported their belief that the fire had not started in the electrical um, fault. Sure. And it was set deliver- deliberately. Yeah, that much we know. Thanks I a think lot. We, I think we've gathered that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, Great detective work. Well, Took there, you a whole year to come up with that. It always amazes me, too, that it takes so long for some of this stuff to come out. Like, it's years yeah. later. Yeah. But there was a driver of a bus that had passed through Fayetteville that Christmas Eve, and he had said that he saw some people throwing balls of fire at the house. A few months later, when the snow melted, Sylvia found a small, hard, dark green rubber, like, it was like a ball. Oh. And it it was under the snow, so they found it afterwards in some of the brush nearby. George recalled his wife. His wife's account of that loud thump yes, on the and house. something rolling down and the ro- roof. Yes. And so they were like, okay, maybe this is what she heard. Oh, my and it gosh. Was, it was described, and I don't know what this would be. Um, maybe some will, but it, it was described to look like a pineapple bomb. Okay. A hand grenade or something like that that's a used A homemade to, bomb, yes. in other words. Yeah. yeah. And think about it. The five kids in the attic are going to hear this the loudest and first. Yes. So I do think that if that they threw them, it woke those children up. That's a good point because they would have been right under that. Yeah. So, and who's, I mean, they could have been gone before 
That was they even, even started. Yeah, yeah lighting the fire or throwing stuff at the house. That's true. I mean, would it be possible that they threw so many of those in there? Uh, I don't know. I know. Uh, that it, you know, just burned hotter in there, but... Honestly, I think then would, would the tin roof kind of act as like an incinerator? Incinerator. I just it. I still feel like that with that information. But they would have from those the, little balls then around where the kids should have been. Yeah, I would think so. There's no mention of that. I would also think with that information from the um, the crematory person. I can't yeah. remember what what they're called exactly, but that even with like two thousand degree heat. Yeah. So for I hours. just I think it's for a hours. safe bet that yeah that's true something that's happened true. to those, those kids. kids weren't well I mean I guess on one hand <clears throat> they weren't burned alive so thankfully right but what did happen to them so as the years kind of unfold th- these are some of the things that happened other witnesses claim to have seen the children themselves mm-hmm. one woman who had been watching the fire from the road said that she had seen some of them peering out. Um, of a passing car when the house was burning. So she claimed to see had seen the children like driving oh. away. And another woman at a rest stop between Fayetteville and Charleston said she had served them breakfast the next morning and noted th- noticed the presence of a car with Florida license plates in the rest stop's parking lot. Yeah. So there are some people that think they may have seen the children mm-hmm. after this fire happened. The problem, I think, is that some of this didn't, unfold until a long time right, later right. the satters hired a private investigator named cc tinsley from the nearby town of golly bridge to look into the case tinsley learned that the insurance salesman that had threatened the family yeah and burning down the house let me <laughs> guess he moved to florida <laughs> closed so he had been on the the coroner's jury that ruled the fire oh. an accident oh my god Stop it. How 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 not okay well, is that? Let's just wrap that up in a neat and tidy bow. Right? Like how much wow. more That's why I'm wondering how many people knew about this or like who was involved because it just Oh yeah. The poor I agree. This the is, poor delivery of them arriving and then this. No, oh, it's this an is accident. an organized crime. Community crime. It is. To make him I'm pay wondering, yeah, for his opinion on Mussolini. I'm wondering how many people knew about it. And I wonder what how like what exactly he was saying that was so horrific about him. To burn his house down and yeah. you know abduct five of his children. Yes. And God only knows what they did to them. I know that's the part for me that's like it's not even more of a relief cuz you don't know what happened to the children. I'm hoping that they just didn't take it out on the kids like just gave them to someone else or whatever but just knowing it would tear them apart. You know mm-hmm. that it would tear george apart i mean poor jenny i know she just married an opinionated man right they worked hard i mean i but back in that time though i mean you're lumped in if whatever your husband believes you believe and you, you know, know so no through throughout time people have died for religious right disagreements yes so absolutely. they must have really been passionate about this I think this was definitely a community. community. I think community too, or at least some like a group in the community. You think they were hoping he would just leave? Maybe burn his house or, down, make him leave, or you know, this was the ultimate punishment for yeah. his opinions. I guess. So the investigator that they had hired also learned that there were rumors around Fayetteville 
that despite the re- report that there were no remains found, that there were rumors that possibly a heart had been found and packed into like a metal box and secretly buried. Uh, I don't know where that was coming from. It doesn't. It was really a bovine say, heart, but <laughs> I think that there God. were a lot of rumors surrounding. Yeah. You know, like, hey, Frank, uh huh, bring your chicken bone, and you got a pig heart lying around. Morris had apparently <laughs> he got a pig heart for me. Yeah, we got to plant some stuff at the scene. No one will notice the difference between an animal heart never and a know. human heart. Morris had apparently confessed this to a local minister who confessed it to George. George and Tinsley. Oh, I thought it was the investigator. I apologize. But it sounds like George is the one that actually heard this rumor. But George and and the detective Tinsley went to Morris and confronted him with this news. And he agreed to show the two where he had buried the metal box and they dug it up. So when they finally, like, they went, they got this box. They took it to a local funeral, funeral director who examined it, and they, uh, the examiner told them that it was actually a fresh beef liver. Oh, my God, not even a heart. I was so close when I, I said bovine for crying out loud. That's why when you brought it up earlier, I'm like, actually. So, and it had never been exposed to fire. So, it's obviously not a, so great. Some cow out there is missing a liver because he he heard this rumor, and I like how it's fresh, too. This is years later, and he's like, this is a fresh (laughs) <laughs> cow right liver no i don't know <clears throat> not a human heart had been exposed years ago to or right. months ago or whatever it was i don't fire. know if because they knew the family was getting in this investigation done they were like we should like we have to get an organ hi- yeah like so it looks like there were remains or something like that i don't know but what, it was a horribly sketchy Smithers, fetch <laughs> me an organ. Right, we need we need and a, heart. a chicken bone. <laughs> so wow, it was obviously proven that that was a little and sketchy. someone is fucking with you. Yes. Someone is sloppily fucking with you. Even later on, there was speculation. And again, this is this is all kind of like. I forgot how crazy this story is. Yeah, it is really crazy. So the theory was that the box was possibly supposed to be there for them to to find later. Like, oh my gosh, it was, you know, um, remains were found or something, you know. Remains were found. The theory is that 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 had been placed there, like that they would find it later and then think like, oh my gosh, it's part of the, you know, the remains, we can be at peace that they're dead or something like that. Right. You know. Make them stop asking questions. (laughs) I feel like this is, this is seriously like a pacifier to try to get them to shut up and just accept what they, the narrative that they want to accept. Yeah. Your kids burned in this fire. It's done. It was accident caused by yep. an electrical thing. We, we found remains. Yep. We found the cause. It's all. Yes. It's done. So the other thing that um, along with some of these really suspicious things unfolding is there were other sightings that even George thought he, like he had seen people or children that had looked like his own. And it could have. I mean, it could have uh, been wishful thinking. Yeah, and, you for know, sure. And just, you know, not a real diverse gene pool. So everyone looks alike. I right. don't know. After seeing um, a girl in a magazine that 
It was a young ballet dancer from New York that was apparently looked just like one of the missing daughters. Um, He drove all the way over to the school to check it out because he's like, this looks just like my daughter. Sure. And so he like demanded to see the girl and like, I want to see this girl for myself. And they refused to do that, of obviously. Course. Yeah, yeah. But can I'm you sorry, like, crazy, but we're not just going to let you have access to our right. ballerina. Oh. But can you imagine, like, seeing no, her my, face and, like, my oh, my gosh, that's my daughter. Yeah. So, but, the, yep, they would not let him see the girl, so nothing ever came of that. He also tried to interest the FBI in investigating what he considered a kidnapping. Sure. Since they couldn't find the remains. Uh, Director J. Edgar Hoover personally responded to his letters. Wow. He said, although I would like to be of service, the matter related appears to be of local character and does Mm. not come within my investigative jurisdiction of this bureau. Burrow. Burrow. Oh. So he tried really Blocked hard. Blocked again by like, local bureaucracy. I felt like, I feel like they tried for a long, long time yeah. to do something. And again, and in the time. And honestly, I think there's so many people at play here that he was never going to get anywhere. Yes, I agree. Now, in 1949, George was able to persuade Oscar Hunter, a Washington, D.C. pathologist, to supervise a new search through the dirt at the site. Okay. After a thorough search, artifacts including a dictionary that had belonged to the children and some coins were found. Several small bone fragments were unearthed, determining to be that of human vertebrae. Okay. The bone fragments. The bone fragments were sent to Marshall T. Newman, a special a specialist at the Smithsonian Institute. Wow. They were confirmed to be lumbar vertebrae from all from the same person. Um, this is a quote, I think, from, from him. Since the transverse recesses are fused, the age of this individual at death should have been 16 or 17 years old. The top limit of age should be about 22 since the centra, which normally fuse at 23, are still unfused. Oh. Thus, given this age range, it was not very likely that those bones were from any of the five missing children. Right, because all of the older children survived. Correct. Okay, so whose children Isn't that were creepy? <laughs> um, it said the oldest in the home at the time, or in the attic, would have been Maurice, and I think he w- it was a he. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maurice would have been 14. So uh, whose bones were they? Right. Right. Or, or were they extra bones thrown in, you know, yeah. for the family to find? I don't just know. Still, whose human bones They're are like, we're just gonna throwing th- around? We're going to throw some bones and a beef heart in there for the family. Or Seriously, liver. liver. Not a even a heart. Um, oh. Is this, yeah, this is just all kinds or, of. Or, you know, his science come farther, and so now it's possible it could have been a 14-year-old. That's a good question. You know. Because this was... 1949. Right. Now, to say we weren't smart back then, uh, we, we're not smart now, but <laughs> as humans <laughs> a little in general. Further. But, yeah, that's what I what I mean. We we know more now about mm-hmm. carbon things. dating and dating of bones and things like that. So, you know, I do. That's interesting. Isn't it? He had also. Or how far <laughs> did they dig down and they just dug into someone's grave oh. that they were unaware of? Yeah, you never know what happened know, there bur- before. Right. And they had buried... 
I mean, there's there's dead people buried everywhere. Not not in like I mean murderous ways. I'm saying you know, uh, well before hundreds of years of people dying. Exactly, <laughs> and, you know, like before they maybe had like a cemetery or something. Yeah, I mean, and just didn't right. know about it. So and they had bulldozed this. So then we're unearthing everything. Um, the bones also showed no signs of exposure to flames. So they're like, okay, okay. these definitely were not. Okay, so children? I'm hoping that it was just a random person that probably died of, you know... Let's hope so. Consumption really- or something like that prior to, and they just didn't know that they were buried there. Let's hope that it wasn't some cover-up, mm-hmm. like the poor beef liver cover-up. Right, but it makes you wonder if it was, you yeah, know... Yeah, definitely. If they later went and put more things, you know... Like, whose bones were they stealing? My understanding with the liver, it like, they, it was place like afterwards i think they were really trying to make it look like yeah there were remains here (laughs) so that does make me wonder did they like watch the morgue for when kids died and like stole their their remains and put them there yeah it makes me wonder too so the investigation and its finding attracted national attention and the west virginia legislature legislature held two hearings on the case in 1950 Afterwards, George, or I'm sorry, afterwards, Governor Oki L. Patterson and the state police uh, superintendent, W.E. Burchett, told the Satters that the case was hopeless and enclosed mm. at the state level. They just couldn't find enough to, right. you know, and there were not enough leads or yeah. evidence. It's six years later. Yeah. <sighs> And then, I mean, they bulldozed. Yeah, right. You and guys, I'll never understand that. I know. For it had to have been grief. It had. To if have George been. wasn't a part of this and covering something up, we which I'd like to think he's not. I, I, I hope know. not. But we didn't also have true crime like we do today. We Maybe they really, truly just yeah. didn't think about it. I don't know. Yeah. Really, um, just couldn't look at it anymore. The FBI decided it had jurisdiction as a possible. Um, interstate kidnapping, but dropped the case after two years because there was just nothing, no mm-hmm. leads. With the end of official efforts to resolve the case, the Satters did not give up hope. They had flyers printed with pictures of the children offering a $5,000 reward. Oh. That actually doubled in time for any information on the case. Yeah. <clears throat> in 1952, they put up a billboard at the site of the house and another one along U.S. Route 60 near Anstead. With the same information. Oh, this family did not give up. No, they I didn't. Love that. And, and that makes me think that George is probably not I Yeah, involved, definitely. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Yeah, because honestly, I mean, don't you think he would have just been like, well, we just need to accept this as the patriarch of so. the family. And yeah. I mean, Scott Peterson still claims he's innocent. <laughs> so you point. never know. Good point. Good but, point. Good point. So, but the billboard stayed up for like... I've got the number in here, but I think it's like 40-some years that that billboard with wow. the children on it. Oh. And it became like a landmark. Yeah. Sure. Wow. And so th- just in case they were still alive. I, yeah. And they could see themselves up there. I mean, uh So even though we're talking like years later, there's still leads and, and things coming in. And so with the, the billboards and everything that was being put up, there was someone that came forward, a, a woman named Ida Crutchfield, and she said that she she ran a Charleston hotel, and so she had claimed to see the children apo- approximately a week afterwards. 
She said, I do not remember the exact date, but the children had come in around midnight with two men and two women, all of whom appeared to be of Italian extraction. Oh. When she attempted to speak with the children, one of the men looked at her in a hostile manner. He turned around and began ta- talking rapidly in Italian to, mm-hmm. to the kids. Immediately, the whole party stopped talking to me, she recalled, that they left the hotel early the next morning. Investigators today do not, however, consider that her story was credible because she had only first seen the photos of the children two years after the fire. And so, um, and then it was five years before she came forward. So I don't know if it took a couple years for the faces to get out and into the public. Well, yeah, because, well, think about this though. Even with her not seeing the faces, she wouldn't. She would have just probably chalked it up to being a weird encounter, probably. And, and then, then, then she saw the faces and learned the story. And so it may have taken her a while to be like, "Should I tell? Is this the same? Should I tell people?" You're right. And stories I mean, probably didn't spread like they do. I mean, oh, definitely not nearly as fast as right. they do today. Certainly. So by the time maybe she heard about this, right. it was quite some time later. I don't right. know. They were like, eh, we can't really count on this as a credible and source. And they're thinking she just wants the $10,000 reward. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I don't know. George followed up leads in person. He traveled from areas um, where tips had come in. A woman from St. Louis, Missouri, claimed Martha was being held in a convent there. A bar patron in Texas claimed to have overheard two people making incriminating statements about a fire that happened on Christmas Eve in West Virginia. Um None of these ever proved to be anything substantial. And like you said, when that rewards out there, I'm sure there was all kinds of stuff coming in. Of course. When George later heard that a relative of Jenny's in Florida had children that looked similar to his, the relative had to prove the children were his own before George was satisfied. Like he's wanting to know. Of course. In 1967, George went to the Houston area to investigate another tip. A woman there had written the family to say that Louie had revealed his true identity to to her one night after having too much to drink. She believed that he and Maurice were both living in Texas somewhere. However, George and his son-in-law, Grover Paxton, were unable to speak with her. Police there were able to help him find two men that she had, the two men that she had indicated, but they denied um, being, being the missing the sons. Yeah, children. Paxton said years 22 later. Twenty-two years later, I he know. was going. He's still looking. Yeah, he's still looking. Paxton said that years later, the doubts and the about the denial um, lingered in George's mind for the rest of him of his life. Sure, so of course. He always wondered. There was one suspicious thing that. Like a substantial, I don't know if it was a lead, but um, they received this letter years later. They felt like this was the most credible evidence that they ever did get in all of this. Okay. It was indication that Louis was possibly still alive. It says, one day Jenny found in the mail a letter addressed to her postmarked in Central City, Kentucky with a no return address. Inside was a picture of a young man of around the age of 30 with features strongly resembling Louis, who would have been in his 30s if he had survived. Mm-hmm. On the back was written, Louis Sauter. I love Brother Frankie. And then it says, like, L-L-I-L, boys. I don't know what that meant. Um, but interesting, and wouldn't that just be so eerie to get? Yes. 
so just that i mean that i would have been heart-wrenching i 100% believe that they were kidnapped. were kidnapped i do too there were, i mean the There's whole no setup remains, with the remains like, come on no yeah. i think they were kidnapped and maybe put into other families and probably told that they couldn't say who they are the rest of their family is going to get killed mm-hmm. i mean so you know that would keep me shut keep my mouth shut like you and never know it's so easy to brainwash a child's mind i know so George Satter ended up dying in 1969. He was still going cross country looking in 1966. He, yes, I think he wow. carried like his whole the rest of his life yeah. was searching for the children. Jenny and the surviving children, they did continue to search except for John who ended up like he didn't want to talk about it. He said that they should accept and move on, so he kind of pulled away from that. Okay. The, sure. The Probably for his own mental It could be. well-being. So I don't fault him for that. No, but no. after George's death, Jenny stayed in the family home, putting up fencing around and adding additional rooms. For the rest of her life, she wore black in mourning and tended to the garden at the site of the, ho- the fire. Um, after her death in 1989, the family finally took the weathered, worn billboard down. 1989. Yeah. He died in 67? No, 69? 69. So she lived quite a bit longer wow. than him. 30 years longer. Yeah. She must have been. Wow. I don't know her date of birth, but she must have lived a long yeah. life. Oh, honey. So, so they waited until their mom passed away before taking the billboard yeah, down. Yeah, which I think that was really great yeah. that they left it up that whole time. Me too. And to wrap this case up, it says the surviving Sauter children, joined by their own children, continued to publicize the case and investigate leads. They, along with older Fayetteville residents, have theorized that the Sicilian Mafia was trying to extort money from George. The children may have been taken by someone who knew about the planned arson and and said they would be safe if they left the house. They were possibly taken back to Italy. Yeah, I wondered that too. Yeah. If the children survived all those years they and they were aware that their parents and siblings had survived too, the family believes that they may have avoided contact in order to keep them from harm. Yeah. Lots of layers to this, lots of things that could be speculated. I know I think they were kidnapped and they're still alive. I do too. I think that the last uh, of the Sauter children Died in just 2021. I oh, think, gosh. Like okay. The, the last one, which is so sad. Yeah. This is, this is the that story. Is cra- that is wild. And that is wild. It's, it's been a, wild a long case. time since I've heard that case. It wasn't, you, you covered it better than the case that I listened to um, more in, in detail. I know. I some, learned things. Some of it is a little like spotty. Some of the story, you know, I know, but through, yeah, but through time too. Through time, mm-hmm. I think it just got a little muddy and yep. so I tried and I hope everybody could tolerate my voice this long. Hey, you're, <laughs> but I, we all appreciate your sacrifice to bring us content. Yeah. So but that's it's a, okay. There were no answers. I mean, I think we kind of know what happened, but there's still some things that I don't know that we'll ever know. I want to know, like, exactly how many people were involved in this because there are, I bet that would be a surprise. There's a lot of higher ups in that town involved. I really think, you know, like if it was some kind of mafia thing Mm -hmm. and that they Mm -hmm. probably, I don't know, maybe forced people to be involved because they were scared. I don't know. 
Because this was definitely something that seemed to be organized yep. start to finish. The yep. family was being watched. Definitely. Before. And yeah, yep. so. That's scary. Isn't it? Merry Christmas, yeah, everyone. Merry, Merry Christmas to everyone. Dang. Well, thank you. Do you have a brain bath for us, I please? I do. Okay, bring do. it, because now's the time. I got a good one for you. Okay. This, I think this is some good news, I think, for everybody. Oh, boy. So the title, and I'm just going to sum, <laughs> I'm going to summarize this article because it's long, but maybe we can just link it in case you want the whole yeah, deal. We certainly can. But when you put your resources in, in the show notes. So the title of this article is, why tiny dicks might come back into fashion. <laughs> and this is the headline. Oh, the there's picture. a photo. I it's mean, a classic it's a, tiny. It's a sculpture. It is. I believe that we would are looking at the statue of David. Yes, we are. I was just going to um, say that. That's I, exactly. I know that penis when I, I know, see it. I know that tiny penis when I see it. So just a couple snickets. Snickets. <laughs> just a couple snickets. of snickets. Actually, that would be such a cute name for a tiny dick. Oh my gosh. A snicket. Adorable. It's like a little <laughs> snack size. He's, that's what we're, from now on, he's got a snicket. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I don't mean to make fun because the, the point of this article is actually very good news. But I'm bringing you this because it's it's good news for, for the average male. Yeah, right? absolutely. So the, the article starts out, the modern Western world loves a big fat dick. Oh, God. <laughs> Their words, not mine. Right. She is reading here, people. Yes. Beyond porn norms and pop culture glorification, several studies indicate that the average woman who has sex with men may prefer a larger-than-average penis. Huh. There has been far less research on the type of penises men who have sex with men prefer. On average, the idea of a bigger penis having bigger value is so entrenched that few evolutionary biologists have even tried to find deeper reason for it. Right, or like tried it's, to debunk this theory. Right, it's such a thing. <laughs> it is it's, it's such a, trend. a thing. It is a trend. The enduring sense that a man's worth may be measured by his length and girth oh. leads all too many men who on average have five to six inch penises to feel woefully inadequate. Oh. Seven inches aren't that uncommon, but anything over is. So There you go, gentlemen. Yeah. These anxieties turn to turn and fuel dubious supplement and experimental surgery procedures. Oh yeah, pumps. So, basically, like I said, this this article goes on for a while, but what it's saying is that in ancient Greek times, they were all about the small penis. Oh. It was actually considered a thing of beauty. Sure. A snicklet. It is. It's a, a snicklet. Um, and it actually says... It just uh, sounds cute. John Clark, an ancient erotic art scholar of... Uh, of their worldview says a human with a very large genitalia, especially male genitalia, is considered to be grotesque and laughable. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the preference for petite penises runs back to the 8th century. And long story short, they are really trying to bring Long the tiny- story short, I see <laughs> what you did one. there. That's a good one. 
Long story short, what he's saying is that it's actually more aesthetically pleasing. So if the Greeks think it's beautiful, I mean, we're in a time of acceptance of diversity. Absolutely. So why can't the small penis be trending too? I can. Rise up, everyone. Bring back the small penis. (laughs) So heads up. Normalize Snickers. Heads up. Heads up. There's just too too many puns tonight, and it is just great. (laughs) Heads up, everyone. Tiny the penises small penis are is coming back. Back in fashion. Like I said, there's all kinds of history about the small penis in this article. Very good read. You've really erected a lot tonight. And whoever wrote this is seriously my hero. Um I I mean, you're right. This is good news for the average male. I appreciate I so. it. I think we should be accepting of all of them to begin with. It's fine. Yes. Actually, it's- if you want my real opinion, penises in general are scary looking. They are. I can see how a smaller one would be less intimidating. I I agree. And honestly, I mean, I'm I don't know what it's like to be a man, but this is truly something that they probably do struggle with sure. because there is just like with us with women needing with, to be skinny and yes. perfect. They have that or expectation. Like, like women like women really worrying about the size of their breasts. Yes, you know, exactly. Society has made us believe that having a perfect, voluptuous, perky pair is what every man wants. <laughs> and so if you're small-chested or you're too large-chested, you may have a you complex. Feel, you feel inadequate. And we, yeah, and we just need to get over our shit, everyone. And so this is good news for men. And the end of this long story short, basically... So I'm going to leave you with this to wrap it up. It says, oh, my goodness, so many, just so many coming. It's just so many coming, <laughs> really. I'll just wrap it up because there's so many coming. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this, this is the best is brain This is good. No matter what you're packing, there are points throughout history when your dick has been laughable and grotesque or admirable and desirable. Today, oh. Two, it's both of those things. It just depends on how you look at it or carve it for posterity. Wow. So that's your, I'm going to say brain bath inspiration. Do you want the trophy? This is hopeful. Do you want our our trophy? I think you still have it. You think so? This one was pretty good. You're right, though. I think it was inspirational because I bet that every one of our male listeners at one point in time or another has thought about their is it enough? Is it sufficient? Yeah. Is it, go- is it yes. too much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, and, and, you know, now it is. It turns out it's, you're good. What? Uh, yeah. Now it's like whatever is okay, and I, I like, like that. I like how they ended it with like like any at any given time in history, you were either <laughs> gross, you know, right, completely gross. hideous, or completely sought after. Yes. So now we're flipping the script, and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So inspirations <laughs> for the sculpture of David out there. Rejoice. Rest assured. Rise up. Your time is now. Oh my God, we need the drum <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. gosh. So there you have it. That is a interesting perspective you've brought us tonight. I, that's what I do. All right. I, I don't even know how to wrap this up. It's just like, look at, right. How do we end on that? I don't even, li- with we're li- going to end on his, trans- his it's, uh, magical music. It's very hard to end 
<laughs> a segment like that. I don't think is. we should go with the tender music. No. It, no. Well, it does make it, although it, it is soft and tiny. It, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. All right. We hope you guys keep it curious. Keep listening. Follow us on social media. We're out there. Uh, Crime Curious Podcast. Join our Patreon if you want more of us. Although now, after this, I don't know why <laughs> or, you would. Yeah. No. <laughs> we understand if you don't. Right. Nothing personal. <laughs> and um, until next time, I will... Yeah. Bleh, bleh, bleh. Bleh. I'm thinking about <laughs> tiny penises. I'm sorry. They're all over in my brain. <laughs> I, I can't. Um, yes. Until next time, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.